It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet, and the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. The Athletics' Ben Baldwin is on the show today to talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers, to talk a little bit about Packers-Seahawks, and get us ready for everything going on this weekend in the divisional round of the NFC playoffs at Lambeau Field. I will be there. If you will be there, let me know. Maybe I can come say hi before the game uh, and shotgun a beer with you. No, probably not doing that, but that would be great if I just walked into the press box just reeking of of brats and Miller Lite. That would be <laughs> that would be great. Uh, I will come say hi, though, if I can. I, I don't know what the schedule is going to be, but... Reach out. Who knows? We'll we'll see what we can make happen here. I want to make sure that we are spending enough time on the matchups with the Seahawks. And so we're going to take some time on Friday to do that. But I want to be clear here. I understand the fear that a lot of Packer fans have. And I, I have, I've seen it on Twitter and I've heard from you and I've heard it on talk radio and I've seen it manifest itself in, in a number of ways over the last few days Packer fans are scared of the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. It is just in the DNA. There is scar tissue there. And I understand it. And the NFC Championship game has far-reaching psychological impacts on Packer fans. Here's who I don't think it will impact. The Packers. Because very. I know that was not that long ago. The year 2015. It was the 2014 season. And that's not that long ago, except a lot of the key players on this team were in college for that season, or they were not on the Packers. Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, Aaron Jones is in college. Devontae Adams was not Devontae Adams yet. He's a rookie receiver, not the impact player that he is now. The offensive line, they've got a lot of similarities and continuity there. You've got a rookie in Elton Jenkins, doesn't know the deal. Billy Turner doesn't have... That, that scar tissue wasn't part of that game. The defense is almost entirely new. Tremont Williams back, but Kevin King wasn't in that game. 
Jair Alexander wasn't in that game. Darnell Savage wasn't there. Kenny Clark doesn't know what that's about. He was at UCLA. They do not view this team the same way Packer fans do. And so I think it is with that perspective that fans have really been guarding themselves. There's been a lot of guarded optimism that I've seen. A lot of, yeah, that's what the stats say, but I still think it's going to be a one-score game. I still think it's going to be close. I still think it's a coin flip. And even as, you know, the, the whether it's the statistics or the, the projections pile up in favor of Green Bay, fans are guarded. And, and again, I understand it. 538's projections have this game at seven and a half points in favor of the Packers. Vegas has it more like four. And they actually believe, 538 does, that these spreads should essentially be flipped. San Francisco, seven, seven and a half point favorites against the, the Vikings. And Green Bay, the four point favorites. Well, 538 has it that the Vikings should be five point underdogs, 49ers are five points better in San Francisco, and Green Bay seven and a half points better than the Seahawks at Lambeau. That would mean an an eight-point game if we're rounding because you can't score seven and a half points. That means Green Bay, a touchdown differential is a significant differential. That means 538 thinks Green Bay is significantly better than the Seahawks. And when you look at the crucial matchups in this game. I think every game, regardless of, you know, it's 2020. But games are still won and lost in the trenches. If you can't protect your quarterback and you can't rush opposing quarterbacks, you have a problem. Now, this was the same argument I made about San Francisco. I felt like Green Bay had the advantage on both sides. Well, San Francisco's pass rush got after Aaron Rodgers, and it was actually, I think, one in the back end. San Francisco's secondary was outstanding and that was a game that if a couple different if a couple different things break just a little bit differently that, that's a lot closer of a game. But Green Bay has the advantage with their offensive line. Number 1 in pass rush win rate, elite by Pro Football Focus metrics. And yet this is a Seahawks team that's been at the bottom of the league all year in creating pressure even when Jadavion Clowney's been out there this is the 32nd ranked defense in pressure rate. On the other side, Green Bay is third in pressure rate. They get after opposing quarterbacks, and the Seahawks are third in allowing pressure. Russell Wilson is the most sacked quarterback among QBs who started every game this year. Green Bay has a not just an advantage. You know, I thought the advantage against San Francisco was a marginal one. I thought, okay, Green Bay's offensive line is better, and so they'll do a better job of stopping the opposing pass rush than San Francisco would. That was my perspective. Green Bay has the advantage, a big one, on both sides. They have a a great offensive line against a bad pass rush, and they have a great pass rush against a bad offensive line and a quarterback that will hold the ball. And all I did was point that out. All I did was point out that discrepancy. And I heard about it from fans on Twitter. Oh, well, it's still not going to be an easy game, et cetera, et cetera. I I didn't say it was going to be an easy game. It's okay. It's okay to point out that Green Bay has this significant advantage. I think Green Bay is just flat out better. They're just the better team. Doesn't mean they're going to win. New Orleans was the better team. The Saints were better and are better than the Vikings, and they lost. The better team can can lose, especially in the playoffs. It's one game we've seen the better team lose a million times. That doesn't mean 
Green Bay doesn't have this sizable advantage. And in fact, I think if they're not able to press this advantage, it, it reflects on poor play. Because over the course of the season, in the aggregate, they have an enormous advantage here. Aaron Rodgers, you would expect to play well. And defensively, you would expect Green Bay to be able to pressure Russell Wilson. Whether or not that prevents him from being good or even great, we can't say because great players have the ability to overcome their circumstances. We've seen Aaron Rodgers do it all career. Can Russell Wilson do the same thing? Can he come into Lambeau and and conjure a little bit of magic? Sure he can. Could they spring the upset? Sure they could. I thought the Packers were much better than them when the Seahawks came for the we want the ball and we're going to score game. Didn't matter. That game went to overtime. Packers still won. There are all the indicators to me. And I know I've talked about the the big playability of Seattle. I think that's the only way they they have a path to win this game is they create some big plays and they make the Packers be something that they're not and that is uncharacteristically loose with the ball. That's how this game can turn. If Green Bay turns the ball over, that's a problem. If Green Bay plays fundamentally sound in this game, it will win because it is better. It's more talented. And and that is a somewhat new position for Green Bay to be in. Because the last few years, they've gotten by because their quarterback has been better. 2016, they were not the most talented team in those playoff games that they were in. They were not more talented than that Giants team. But they beat them because they were better coached and because Aaron Rodgers was better. That's, that is how Green Bay has consistently won. They don't have to do that anymore because now they have a complete team or at least a more complete team. They're more talented than the Seahawks. I think they're better coached than the Seahawks. They're at home. They should win. That's it. Full stop. They should win. And while I don't think Seattle is going to roll over, I think Seattle is good enough to play with anybody. I think they often play to the level of their opponent. If Green Bay plays its best game and Seattle plays its best game, Seattle is not good enough to win. And I think Green Bay could play its B game and still be good enough to win even against like the B-plus game of the Seahawks. I think there's enough of a gap here that Green Bay does not have to be perfect to win. I think if Green Bay is perfect, they'll win by 10. I'm more confident than most in this particular matchup. Not in this team as a whole, but in this matchup. I would not have been this confident against the Saints. I would not even be this confident against the Vikings, even though I think I think the Vikings are a much better team than the Seahawks, even though Minnesota went to Seattle and lost. Seattle has a way of beating teams that are better than they are. They did it to San Francisco. They did it to Minnesota. So they can do it. Green Bay is still going to have to go take this game. But to me, this discrepancy in the trenches, particularly with the pass rush, I think it closes the gap between the way the quarterbacks are playing. Russell Wilson has been much better this season than than Aaron Rodgers has been, or at least has been more singularly better, certainly been more consistent. But Aaron Rodgers with no pressure is a lot better than Russell Wilson with pressure. So that is the difference in the game to me, and that is why I think Green Bay is going to win. And if you think Green Bay is going to win and you want to put a little bit of money where your mouth is on that, my bookie is the place to turn to because they can turn all of your sports knowledge loose and into cash in your wallet. Between football, NBA, start of college basketball, it's time to get off the sidelines and get into the action with my bookie. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Aren't you tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? 
MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the action. Right now, if you join, MyBookie will match your first deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. So if you put $2,000 down, you'll get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use the promo code locked on to activate the offer. Again, that's promo code locked on to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign up bonus. MyBookie.ag. Go there today, enter the promo code locked on, and get that deposit bonus because at MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft. And you can even play private contests with your friends. And there's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel. And that's what I love about it. Experience season-long wins without the season-long wait. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. All right, let's get to Ben. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben B. Baldwin. You can find his work on The Athletic. I know he has a love-hate relationship with Packer Nation, so I thought this was the perfect time to have him on. Ben, thanks for joining Locked on Packers. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, happy to be on, and this I think this will be a, a very interesting game, so um, excited to talk about it. Yeah, and I can I can feel the the tone of voice there. You are uh, I like to to lovingly refer to you as noted Aaron Rodgers skeptic Ben Baldwin, <laughs> and I know that you have had a lot of interactions with angry Packer fans on Twitter. So I'll ask the question on the minds of all Packer fans: Why do you hate Aaron Rodgers so much, Ben? Why the people need to know? <laughs> yeah, so I, I think. This, this is a reasonable question to ask. The The short, real answer is I don't hate Aaron Rodgers or any football players that don't actually give us off-field reasons to do so. Um, so the, the background that I'm sure a lot of listeners here are familiar with is I wrote this story in October about how, um, at least production-wise, Aaron Rodgers, the the passing offense of the Packers has not been consistent with how people view Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. which is the top quarterback in the league. Um, and this has been the case for a lot of years now. And it, it seems like public perception hasn't quite caught up to that where people just assume he's the top quarterback in the league. And I personally think that that has aged pretty well mm-hmm. and Packers fans haven't. And um, I'm not totally innocent with how I've run my Twitter account. <laughs> So if there are Packers fans who aren't a big fan of me, then I I totally understand. And and I'm sure that uh, a Packers victory this weekend would be extra special for uh, Packers fans since it's over the Seahawks. Um, But uh, in in terms of Aaron Rodgers himself, uh, everyone I've interacted with who has talked to him has has said nothing but good things about him. So I'm sure he's a a, a likable, great person. I'm I'm just a, a skeptic of um, his play on the field now is he's 36 years old. 
Well, and and it is sort of the perfect punctuation mark for you because if Aaron Rodgers goes out and, and doesn't play well and the Seahawks win, it is sort of a double whammy for you and, and your brand. So <laughs> Uh, I have I have sort of jokingly dubbed this the Ben Baldwin Bowl for the for those reasons. Uh, let's talk about the Seahawks, though. Uh, Russell Wilson, on the other hand, speaking of of quarterbacks whose reputations don't really uh, match up with reality, he is someone who I think was a little bit overrated early in his career because he he benefited from those great defenses, and now for a couple years now, I think has been really underrated. And this is something you've talked about a lot as recently as just a year or two ago in that quarterback survey that that uh, Mike Sando does and, and then for ESPN and now for The Athletic, he, he was barely even, you know, a top 8, 10 guy in the minds of, of NFL teams. Yeah, that's right. So in, uh, I think it was 2017, uh, voters were ranking players like uh, Derek Carr and Matt Stafford ahead of him. Uh, and then in 2019, this, this was the first year that more voters cast tier one votes for Wilson than tier two votes. So, and it was just barely so. So his, his average vote was like 1.45 or something where um, anything less than 1.5 means that most people thought you were tier one quarterback. So even now about 50% of these um, execs and coaches survey didn't think Russell Wilson was a top tier quarterback. And I, I think that is um, maybe I'm biased because I cover the Seahawks, but um, I, I think that's kind of a stretch um, now at this point in his career. Yeah, and one of the things that that you have mentioned a number of times is the the way that Pete Carroll and this offense hinders Russell Wilson, and and your your penance for your Aaron Rodgers takes has been <laughs> that now Russell Wilson is constrained by a coaching staff that. Number one, does not let him do the things that he is best at as regularly as other top quarterbacks are not only allowed but encouraged to do. But the offense often relies on him just being incredible. The play is Russell run around and throw it down the field and it doesn't really do anything to help him. What is going on with this offense and and why why do you think they just for whatever reason, are not utilizing the strengths of this team to the to their fullest potential. Yeah, so a lot of it is Pete Carroll, and he is um, he is an old school, conservative, defensive minded head coach. So on offense, the thing that he most cares about is not turning the ball over and putting his defense in a bad position. Mm-hmm. Um, one way to not turn the ball over is to not throw the ball a lot, even though. If you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson, he's not going to be throwing a lot of interceptions and, and turning the ball a lot over anyway. But if you look at how often Seattle um, passes the ball on early downs, it's um, in 2018, they were the most run heavy team in the league. And now they're still maybe bottom 10 in how often they pass, where teams like the Chiefs and the Packers um, are in the top five. They call a lot of pass plays. Um, so a lot of it is. Um, and, and we saw this against Philadelphia last week in, in the playoffs. Um, they run the ball a couple times on first down and second down, and then there's Russell Wilson on third and eight and third and nine, and it's, okay, Russell Wilson, time to bail us out. Um, a lot of times he can do it, and um, the Seahawks can win that way. They did last week, but um, you're also on the, the razor's edge of how an offense can function because you're requiring your quarterback to string together a lot of third down conversions, and no matter how good your quarterback is, um, sometimes it's just not going to work. 
Yeah, Mina Kimes was on uh, Slow News Day with Kevin Clark, a, a Ringer web series today, and, and I don't know if you saw that, but her theory on the Seahawks was that these one-score games and all of the, the weirdness um, that, that goes with this team, this team is incapable of playing a, a normal, regular football game that does not involve just wild stuff, is that the coaching staff commits one or two just irredeemable mistakes and that prevents the game from being 10 points, 14 points, etc. What do you think of that perspective of this Seahawks team? Yeah, for sure. Um, one of one of the things that happened this season was they uh, there were several games where they got out to a big lead and then it, it kind of felt like they just messed around and ended up winning by uh, six or eight points. Uh, and even last week against the Eagles, they could have won that game by a lot more than they did. Um, they they had big leads against the Falcons with Matt Schaub playing QB, and um, the Falcons came back and made it close. Uh, same against the Panthers, and there's uh, all these games where they they could have had blowout wins, um, but didn't. And some of that is, yeah, because of the conservative of conservatism of the coaching staff, where they they have a lead, they don't want to uh, air the ball out, and whether or not they have a lead, they they don't want to go for fourth downs. Um, but I think that's um, that's colored kind of a lot of games that could have been blowout wins, but weren't blowout wins in the end. But I, I don't think that's going to be the, the situation against the Packers on Sunday. That the, This game will be a game where bad coaching decisions won't be the difference between a blowout win and a close win. It, it could be the difference between a win and a loss. So I, I think the, the stakes are a lot higher here. And in a lot of ways, these are these are mirror images in terms of that because uh, the, the Packers have gone out to big leads as well a number of times. It's one of the best first quarter teams in the league early, first 20 to 25 plays. That's when the offense looks great. And then after that, there's all kinds of issues. And it's, it's a little hard to square because we see them have these flashes and they go up 21-0 against the Vikings and, and that finishes a one-score game. They go up 31-3 against Dallas. And that game finishes 34-24. It, it, both of these teams have an aversion to closing out opponents. And I think that's going to make for a lot of fun in this game. I mentioned the the position that the coaching staff puts Russell Wilson in. But the, the front office, for whatever you want to say about the offensive line and, and some of the issues that they have there, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and the, the progress that DK Metcalf has made gives Russell Wilson two guys who can create big plays. And if there's one place I think Seattle has a huge advantage, it is their ability to create big plays relative to Green Bay's ability to stop big plays. What have you seen from DK Metcalf, and, and how do you think he changes this offense? Because they they are um, a, a dangerous downfield team because Russell Wilson is the best deep ball thrower in football, in my opinion. Yeah, I if I were a Packers fan or, or even on the coaching staff preparing for this game, that would, that would make me, that'd be the one thing that makes me most nervous would be the seeing a deep ball going down the field with DK Metcalf matched up with Kevin King or something like that. And um, it's, it's a scary proposition The the good news. And I don't know how predictive this is, is Russell Wilson has never really played well in Lambeau field. And the sample size here is uh, three games, I think. Um, mm-hmm. and they've all been kind of ugly and, um, it, it's probably too small of a sample to be predictive, but at, 
at the same time, there's still this nervousness of like, is it something in his head? Cause he used to play in Wisconsin. Um, the Seahawks have never been a great team playing outdoors on grass. So there's, um, so all this to say, I, I think there will be the opportunity for Seattle to hit deep shots. The question is whether the pass protection will hold up long enough for that to happen, which is a huge question given the state of Seattle's offensive line. And then also if, if Russell Wilson can hit those deep balls. Yeah. And that's been the point that I've made this week a number of times. If there is a way that Green Bay can mitigate those big plays, it is that their pass rush is excellent. Top five in the league all year in pressure rate. And on the other side, Seattle's offensive line combined with Russell Wilson's propensity to hold the ball and try and create. Um, they are a top five team in pressure rate allowed. And and their defense is been bottom three all year in creating pressure. So that's a, that's a pretty big advantage from from that standpoint defensively. Seattle, I thought, played pretty well last week. As you mentioned on Twitter, they've been they've been better lately, although overall this is not the kind of defense we're used to seeing. This is a far cry from the Legion of Boom team. What What is different about this team from those teams, or is it just as simple as they don't have Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman and, and guys like that, and, and that, that talent gap is, is the biggest driver here? So, yeah, I, I think the talent gap is the biggest driver. Um, so I was... Uh, I was actually looking up last year's Seahawks-Packers game, and would you like to guess the Seahawks player who had the most pressures on Aaron Rodgers in that game, in the 2018 game? Uh, no. I I mean, like, I assume someone someone strange. Oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And uh, Frank Clark is a really good pass rusher, and Mm -hmm. he's not there anymore. He plays (laughs) in Kansas City now. (laughs) Yeah, so um, so I, I think if there's one single biggest mismatch in this game. I, I think it's Green Bay's offensive line against the pass rush of the Seahawks. Um, sometimes Clowney has been able to make a difference. Um, he's had a couple high-impact games, but he's also been dealing with a core injury for the last half of the season, so it, it's unclear whether he will be able to make an impact. And if he doesn't, then Green Bay's offensive line is very good, and Seattle's cornerback play is kind of spotty, so... Uh, as as a Seahawks fan, I think that's the one area where um, Seattle should be very nervous is whether they will be able to make Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable at all in the pocket. And and if not, then they could be in for quite a challenge on defense. You don't sound bullish on the Seahawks in this game. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Uh, 538 has this spread at seven and a half points in Green Bay's favor, whereas Vegas has it more like four. Uh, but what is your what is your feel for this? So I think the teams are about as good as each other. Neither one had an impressive point differential. Um, Green Bay had more wins than the Seahawks and a better point differential than the Seahawks, in part because they played a much easier schedule. The the Seahawks had to play the Saints. They had to play the Ravens. They played the 49ers twice, et cetera. Um, and the Packers got to play the NFC East. Um, but the game's in Lambeau. Uh, the, the Packers have a week of rest and... If, if you think the teams are about as good as each other, but the Packers have these advantages, then I, I think a four-point spread makes sense. But at the same time, I think the Packers' defense is constructed in the exact way that could present a lot of problems for the Seahawks' offense for the reasons that we've talked about. Um, the Smiths can um, create edge pressure on Russell Wilson, especially if Dwayne Brown's not starting. 
And the Packers seem to have a game plan that can shut down these play action shot plays that the Seahawks like. Um, the, the Packers shutting down the Vikings offense twice kind of scares me for what the Seahawks might be able to do. Russell Wilson's better than Kirk Cousins, but um, they looked really impressive in those two games. So all that to say, I think a, a four-point spread is reasonable, but I think there's more reasons to be nervous about the Seahawks in this game than the Packers in this game, if that makes any sense. I think it does. And and again, to your point about predictability, I don't know if it's predictive at all, but over the course of Wilson's career, uh, he has his lowest passer rating uh, such that you care about such things uh, <laughs> against the Packers of any team in the league. And it's actually not particularly close. So even if you don't think passer rating is a perfect stat, and I know you don't, uh, it is it is one of those things where on the on the margins, it it uh, it looks it looks like it matters. But we'll see if it's actually predictive. The, the Seahawks are, again, incapable of playing a regular game. Ben, uh, I assume a lot of a lot of my listeners already are familiar with your work, but if they want to check out more of it, where can they find it? Yeah, so I'm on. Uh, I write for the Athletic Seattle, um, mostly about the Seahawks, but also about other things. I promise most of my articles, uh, the vast majority of my articles, do not uh, say anything about Aaron Rodgers <laughs> or the other. Um, and I'm also on Twitter at Ben B Baldwin, where I can make no such promises, but uh, I've, I've been pretty well behaved uh, recently. I don't know if I agree with that, but that's okay. It doesn't bother me. I think it's great. I love the bit. Lean into it. And uh, I appreciate you being a good sport and coming on. Uh, Great stuff as always. And enjoy the game on Sunday. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, It was fun talking about the game. And uh, enjoy the game likewise. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store this episode is brought to you by wise progress is great isn't it people listen to music on record players then tapes and cds And now you can stream music and podcasts. When technology moves forward, you move with it. Like with WISE, the modern way to move money internationally. It's smarter and simpler. They use new technologies. So when you send, spend, or convert money with WISE, you get a better exchange rate with lower fees. And over 30% of transfers arrive in less time than it takes to listen to this right now. Join over 10 million people and businesses and try WISE for free at wise.com slash podcast. All right, I want to thank Ben again for joining the show. He's a good sport. Uh, I appreciate him being on. And, uh, you know, a lot of his writing and his work with analytics is is really smart. Uh, I don't always agree with all of it, I will say. And, and I think there are a lot of things that we just can't capture in some of these numbers. Too often, I, I think we're 
I think the people who deal with those with those numbers are a little too sure of what they mean, a little too sure of, of their application on the field. But I, I love to look at them. I think they're fascinating. I think they do have value when it comes to evaluating what we see on the field. I've said many times that I think EPA is a team stat, not an individual stat. And that it just is what it is. But I don't think anyone can can disagree Aaron Rodgers is not the player he once was. And it might not matter because this Seahawks defense is not great. They do not generate a ton of pressure. And that is that is the way you stop this Packers offense. Stop the run and pressure Aaron Rodgers. Well, the Seahawks are bad at both of those things. 26th in run defense, DVOA, and last in pressure rate. What else do you want to know? And and you don't play the games on paper. That's for sure. I mean, I had a lot of people mention, oh, well, they they you know almost rolled over for the Lions, and the Lions aren't very good. Yeah, that's true. In a Week 17 game, that that didn't mean really that much for the Packers. I know the, the two seeds on the line, but you're already in the division. You know you're going to have a home playoff game. It is often hard for teams to get up for those games. They they care less about that stuff than than we do. And a little bit of human nature, and, and you heard Alan Lazard on this show say they thought the Lions were going to roll over and just let them come in and, and walk all over them, and they didn't. So credit the Lions for that. Green Bay is going to come out with intensity in this game. And this is just another way that Green Bay has an advantage here. I think it's, it is hard to point to a place where the Seahawks have a decided advantage where you don't have an answer from the Packers. This big play thing, yeah, it's great. But if Green Bay can rush with four, which they've been able to do all season, you mitigate those big plays. It would require the Packers to be a team they have not been this season, and and we've seen them do that. They lost to the Eagles by, by turning the ball over. That was an uncharacteristic performance. We saw them lose to San Francisco. Same deal. The Chargers, they came out slow. This is a traditionally fast start team. If the Packers play their game, if they play even the win-ugly ball that they've been playing all year, they're the better team, and they're going to win. I think they do win. Originally, I had a 27-21. I've been swayed to add the extra point. I think 28-21, 28-20 even. I like the Packers a lot. We can get to final predictions tomorrow. Remember our Periscope show, 4 Central, 5 Eastern, live on Periscope. The beard is gone, unfortunately, and no, no horseshoe mustache either, but... We're still going to have a good time. Take your questions. Go over the injury report. There's there's a bunch on there for Seattle that is relevant. Might not have either of their top two left tackles, which hello Smith brothers, and might not have Mike Upati. So this is this is an even bigger advantage potentially for the Packers in the trenches. We're going to get to all of that. Best way to make sure you don't miss it. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.